you would. First Kings chapter number 15. And I appreciate uh, Miss Heather uh, on the spot today, kind of playing the piano for us. And what a blessing that's been. And uh, thankful for all those who fill in. Once again, I can't express that enough. I know I said it on Wednesday, but many of you uh, fill in in certain ministries. And you do a great job whenever someone's away, and I appreciate it. There was a, a man who arrived at the address of a house that he had been given. It, was the, it would be the last uh, individual that he would pick up on his shift. And as he arrives to the house, he makes a, a quick uh, step up and knocks on the door, and there's complete silence at the time for oh, about 15 seconds or so, and uh, after waiting for a few minutes, he, he just is standing there, and again, he, he knocks on the door, and silent still, just him. Uh, he hears a, an elderly woman tell him just to hang on for just a, a few seconds. She's gathering her things, and another few seconds go on, and she opens the door, and there's about a, a 90-year-old elderly woman standing in the door, and he is standing there, and he greets her and asks her how he could help her. And she just says, I have some bags uh, in here if you would come and grab them. And so he walks through the door. And as he walks through the door, he begins to see that there's, there's really nothing in this, uh, this house, if you would. There's, there's you know, some couches, but they have the, the, the uh, you know, towels or whatever uh, wrapped around them and, and blankets thrown on top of them. And, you know, there's not really any pictures on the wall. There's nothing, you know, uh, throughout the house that would catch his eye. And he just begins to look around and she's just holding a little, a little suitcase in her hand. And he, she says there's some boxes over there. And so he goes and he begins to pick up these boxes. He takes them to the car and loads them up into the car and makes his way back into the house. And as he's making his way back into the house, he grabs the elderly woman's little arm and she wraps her arm right there and he walks her to her, his car and he loads her up into the vehicle and they go on their way. As they go on their way, he begins to ask her and he just very simply is asking, you know, certain questions that, you know, an individual would ask if he's taking someone somewhere. And he asks her, you know, is there anything that you need? Is there anything that I could do? And she says, oh, no, just just take me to this address. And she hands him the address and he plugs in the address in his GPS and she says, okay, could you take me through downtown if you don't mind? He's, and quickly he responds and says, that's not the quickest way to go. That's, uh, it's, it's not the quickest if you, you would. And she says, oh, I'm, not, I'm in no hurry. And the man is sitting there and the, the elderly lady says, I'm in no hurry. I'm actually on my way right this very moment to hospice. And she's sitting in the back and he looks in the back and she's just looking out the window and he he reaches over and he turns off his little uh, thing that would keep track of how much she would have to pay and all that. And, and so for the next couple of hours, they would drive downtown. They would drive to other areas. And, and she's just sitting back in the back and, and talking her, his ear off. Has him drive past her, her and her husband's first house and stops right there in front of the house and begins to talk about the house and about you know how her and her husband met and re, re, recaps everything about their history and he's just sitting there and he's in no rush at this point. The, the lady has captivated his entire, his entire day as she begins to just reflect on everything. Drives downtown and there's a furniture store and in front of the furniture store he is told to stop and as he stops she begins to talk about a, a dance studio that used to be in there and she begins to tell him about the dance studio and all the memories that she had in that time and and drives past the, you know, certain stores. Oh, this was the store that we would drive to every single Sunday and after church. And we would drive here on certain days and we would go and we'd get, you know, whatever their, 
dessert was. And it's getting later and later, and the, the man is still driving, and he's in no rush at this point. And the lady is in the back seat still just looking out the window, and she just says, okay, I'm ready to go now. And so he, he takes her to the address that she had given him earlier in the day, and as he pulls up into the, the care facility, he pulls up into the care facility. She had been expected many, many hours before that she had arrived. A couple of ladies walk out, and they begin to help her out, and the young man begins to get the, the stuff out of his trunk and begins to take it to uh, the workers and hands it off to them, and this lady is now, she had been helped by the workers. She's in a wheelchair at this time. And back beginning the, the, the ride that they were together, the lady began to talk about herself. And the, the workers in the hospital had told her that she hadn't been given long to live, and that's why she was going here. And all of these, these many things that she had said began to run through his mind in a matter of seconds. He had only known the lady for about three hours or so, three and a half hours, but it seemed as though because she had shared her entire history with him that he'd known her her whole life. And so the, the lady is sitting in the wheelchair, and he is standing right there, and he leans over without even thinking about it and gives the lady a hug. Now, the lady earlier in the ride had already made the statement she didn't have any family in town. And so without even thinking, the man reached down, wrapped his arms around her, gave her a hug, and she just clung on to the man. She made this statement as she was sitting in that chair, and it was one that resonated with him. She said, you gave this old little woman a little moment of joy. And as the man was standing there, he began to go back to his car after she had made that statement. She was clinging on to him and made that statement. You gave this old little lady a moment of joy. He went got in his car, and as he got in his car, he just sat there. I mean, put yourself in his shoes for just a few moments. You're introduced, and you never know every single day who you might just be introduced to. Uh, there have been certain individuals. I remember going to a preacher's meeting about six years ago. And I went to this preacher's meeting, and this, this preacher's meeting was full of just preachers from all over. And I sat down at the table. I was by myself, didn't know anybody. Knew a couple preachers, but that was about it, and sat down, and right across from me, I sat in front of a preacher, and I mean, it was one of those meetings for me. I just gleaned as much as I could glean, didn't know a clue about him, didn't know the churches that he had previously pastored, didn't know any of his, his background, his history, nothing. And so I just began to glean and, and think about all that, and as I was reading this story, I, mean, I, I said, I've been there before. The man sat in his car and just began to think. He said... In his mind, he began to think this. What if that woman would have gotten an angry driver? What if she would have gotten a driver that was just ready to get from point A to point B because he was ready to collect a, a paycheck? And in his mind, he was sitting there and he was so thankful, but one of the things that processed as I was reading this is this lady took the time for about three and a half hours to share her entire life story, talked about her husband, talked about her family, talked about where she had lived, where she had shopped, all of these many things. And the thought came to my mind as I was reading this and thinking about this, and I'd already been studying this portion of Scripture here, and as you think about starting the new year, there's always the, the, the climax. As you come to the end of a year, there's always the climax of, hey, the new year is coming, and excitement is filling the air, and 
You're just excited because you have New Year's resolutions, you got plans, you got goals, you got ambitions. All of this that you have before you say, I've got all of these things that I want to accomplish. But one of the things that sometimes we neglect to think about, and one of the things we have to be careful of, is there's always the starting point. But can I ask you this question? As I was thinking about this elderly lady, she was sitting in the back, she knew that her finish line was coming. And in that finish line, she just began to not talk about all of the bad times of this young man. Not to be bitter that the doctors had told her she didn't have much long. No, she just drove downtown. Showed the young man her house that her and her husband owned. Oh, drove over here and showed the young man the grocery store that she used to shop at with her husband and with her family and her friends. And showed the, the young man the, the little area that used to be a dance studio but now is no longer a dance studio and it's a furniture store and all of these men. She began to re- recap all of these many things and talk to this young man. In her moments that she was with him, knowing that the finish line was coming, were filled with what she said, just a little moment of joy. As you come to 1 Kings chapter number 15, you're introduced to a king by the name of Asa. If you go in to study the Chronicles and, and even the kings, you'll find that the kings are defined as one of two ways. Either they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of their lives, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or the Bible just tells us that they were, they were wicked. They were evil. They did that which was evil on the side of the Lord. They, they weren't good kings. It, I mean, it was black and white. They were either good or they were bad. There was, there was no, hey, they were kind of good, they were kind of bad. No, it was just they were either good or they were bad. And you think about this, in verse number 9 of 1 Kings chapter number 15, the Bible says, In the twentieth year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, named, uh, reigned Asa over Judah. And forty and one years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was also Micah, and the daughter of Abishalom. And Asa, notice verse 11, did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. Now, many times when we are reading about an individual, you'll find that it'll talk and it'll say right after that, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and then it's all good. There's hardly any bad. There, there's never anything that's a, a negative or a little a little spot or a speckle in their, their timeline. It's just in the Scriptures we find that as it says, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, you see only good. If it says they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, then you begin to see only evil. But as you come to this one individual by the name of Asa, we're reminded that just as easily as it is, and just as a powerful reminder that there's always going to be a starting point, that the the ending is coming as well. And this morning, I want to to preach a message that's very clear, it's very basic, if you would. The message is this, from start to finish. From start to finish. Now, you you might be looking back and you say, hey, well, my start wasn't very good. Well, then finish well. You, you, you might be in the midst of that and you might be thinking, okay, there, there's, a, there's a starting point and then there's a, a present time and there's an ending point and you might think, oh, when I get to a certain age, then I can kind of slack off. No, no, the Lord desires that we would finish our race to the end. You go and you study the life of Paul. Paul was so afraid that he was being a castaway. He, he wasn't ready to be done. He was ready to continue on. But just as surely as there's a start, there's also a finish. This one by the name of Asa was one that obviously was used of the Lord. If you were to go and study the kings, eight of the 19 kings of Judah were good kings. 
Four of them actually led a revival, and Asa was one of these that led a revival. His name means this, who will heal? It's a question. Names in the Bible are very serious. They, they have a lot to them. They have a lot to add to the Scripture as you begin to study out. Who will heal? Well, Asa knew who would heal, the Lord himself. Now, the Lord uses this individual. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, the, the, verse number 1, it tells us that the first ten years of Asa's reign were silent years. There wasn't much going on. There wasn't any chaos. There wasn't anything that was, was going on that was of, of great detail, if you would. Asa, if you were to go and you were to study his life, you'll find that he was also raised in a very wicked home. He was raised in a way that, that was uh, evil was abounding. There was always idols being worshipped. There was always some kind of evil that was present. But even in the midst of being raised in a wicked home, this young man chose to do that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Can I share with you this morning, this is a powerful reminder that no matter what your upbringing is, you can always choose to serve the Lord. There are bus kids that will be picked up. There are kids in homes right now that evil just abounds. I mean, sin is present and sin is lurking in the home and they're thinking, oh, there's no way God could use me. Listen, I remember being in that situation. I remember growing up and my, my parents had gotten a divorce at an early age and, and hearing about divorce and you, you start to hear all these things. And I was thinking, man, I, I come from a broken home. There's no way God could use me. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. And there are kids in our society today that think God couldn't do anything with me because I don't have this and I don't have this. And you know what? I don't have the best of this and I don't have the most talents in here and I don't have all. No, God can use any one of us if we're given to him. And young people need to hear that message. Young people need to understand it doesn't matter what your upbringing is. You can still choose God. And Asa chose the Lord. As you go and you begin to read, it says right here in verse number 12, and he took away the sodomites out of the land. He, he was a king that, I mean, it was very clear. There was, hey, if evil was lurking, we're getting it out of here. I mean, that meant that his mama was going to be mad. Then he, he looked his mama in the face and said, sorry, mama. I mean, that, that's how it was going to be. His mama was a very wicked woman. The Bible says in verse number 12, And he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. I mean, talk about, I mean, he's, he's taking it to great lengths. And that's right there why revival began to take place. Four of the kings, there were eight that were good out of the 19, four of them led great revivals. And what they do? They got rid of the filth. You know why we're not seeing revival in our churches like we ought to and why we're not seeing revival in our nation like we want to is because we're unwilling to really and truly get rid of the filth. There's filth living in the homes. There's filth living in our lives personally. And, and we like to gripe about the politics. And we like to gripe about all the, the problems that we're seeing in D.C. And all the problems that we're seeing in government. And all the problems with, hey, even all the problems with that church and this church and this Christian. Yet until we take it serious in our own personal lives, we will never see revival personally. And Asa was one who said, hey, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to experience all that God has. Then he removed all the idols that his father had made. You know, it's one of those things, if you ever wholeheartedly want to uh, be all in all for God, then it might mean that you are alienated from those who were once close to you. But there has to come a time in our lives where you say, hey, above all else, God matters. Above all else, God matters. And Asa right here in this portion of Scripture, we see that his life was one that he did great things. But I want you to see something. We'll come back to it here in a little while. Go with me if you would to 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, you see what would be classified as the end of his life. 
In 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, this one by the name of Asa, again, the Lord used him. He was used greatly. We'll see that here in just a few moments on what took place and how God used him in a a mighty way. But in the midst of one start that we say, hey, we started well, you still have to continue well. You have to end well. And this one king by the name of Asa, look with me if you would, chapter number 16, verse number 12, the Bible says this. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceedingly great. Yet in his disease, notice this next statement, he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in one in the fortieth year of his reign. If you were to go and you were to study the life of Asa, you'll find that this was a man who did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was used of God. He did great things. He led the the, the people to a revival. He was doing wonderful things. He got rid of the Sodomites. He got rid of the idols. He got rid of all of the evil that was present. And he said, hey, if we're going to serve the Lord, we've got to do it right. We've got to do it the right way. We've got to get rid of all of these things that are in the way. And all of this began to take place. But in chapter number 15 of the book of 1 Kings, we see that there is something that is revealed to us that helps us to see that though Asa started well and did great things, he made one decision that all of a sudden, as his years began to wean, his faith began to diminish with it. In chapter number 15 of the book of 1 Kings, I want to share just a few things as we lay a foundation, and I'll close with three quick points. The Bible says in verse number 16, And there was war between Asa and Basha, the king of Israel, all their days. And Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not suffer any to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. As you come to these verses right here, you'll begin to see that there was some battling that was going on. There was a, a war, there was fighting that was going on. And you begin to study it out, you'll see that they were butting heads. They didn't like what was taking place. And so the battles take place. They were, 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 were today facing the same issues. Those issues of the, that day was, are you going to worship God or are you going to worship idols? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve idols? Are you going to give yourself to, to righteousness or are you going to give yourself to evil? That is what we're facing today. That is what was taking place between this battle right here, between Asa and Ramah. They were facing the same things. And so he builds this, this area, this, this city, Ramah, Basha does. And so the battling begins to take place in 2 Chronicles chapter number 15. If you want to cross-reference, and I encourage you to go and read it later yourself as well. The Bible tells us in verse number 8 and 9 of 2 Chronicles 15, And was, when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord. That was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them, out of Ephraim and Manasseh, and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Now listen, in verse number 16 of this chapter that we're reading, the Bible tells us that there was a war. There was war between Asa and Basha, the king of Israel, all their days. And Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah. Notice what takes place. Because at the end of the chapter that we just read, the end of the verses that we just read out of 2 Chronicles chapter number 15, the Bible tells us, For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance for they, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Let me illustrate it for just a few moments. Let me get you three boys right here. You three boys, you come and stand over here for just a few moments, okay? You three boys, you come and stand over here for just a few moments, if you would, for me. 
And we're not, we won't be long. Verse number 17, y'all stand over here, y'all stand over here. In verse number 17, the Bible tells us that Basha built Ramah that he might not suffer any to go out or to come into Asa, king of Judah. He was, hey, he was losing folks. This group over here, let's just put, Jaden, you're in charge over here. Let's just pretend that you're Asa. Asa's leading charge. Revival's taking place. They're getting rid of the idols. They're getting rid of the sodomites. They're getting rid of all of the evil that is going on. Hey, and we're over here with Basha, and we're, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're back in Basha. You be Basha. So we're, we're back in Basha. For, I mean, lead the charge, Basha. We're, we're looking, you just stand right there. We're, look, we're following our leader, but we're, we kind of see, we kind of see everything. I mean, revival's taking place over there, and, ah, man, come on. That's exactly what takes place. Basha, sorry, you're alone. He's losing folks. Bye. He brought revival over here. Y'all can be seated. That's exactly what the picture is here. We see that it says that we might not suffer any to go out or come in to King Asa of Judah. And they fell to him in Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. When people began to leave the northern kingdom, Basha began to see all this and he says, there's no way. If you were to go and you were to study... You'll see that, that the, the, the wall that he builds, the city that he builds has been compared to a city that, that, that is of great magnitude that would try to stop any movement going left or right. And he was doing so because he, he, he wasn't leading in such a way that should have been led. And they were people that were noticing, hey, Ace is over there. He's leading a great revival. And man, not only is he leading a great revival, but God's, God's with him. And people began to flee. You know what this reminds me of? People always want to be where the Lord is. It's a true reminder. I remember a couple of years ago, and I remember talking to my brother-in-law, and the, the Burlington revival was taking place. This was, was a, a revival that the, the, the news networks all around were covering because many, many people were getting saved. I mean, thousands of people were flooding this tent revival that was taking place, and it started out in just a a little revival meeting that started out in a church, a church that had prayed for many, many years for God to send revival, and they were waiting patiently, and then, oh, God sent it. And boy, did He send it. Hundreds of people had gotten saved in this meeting, and I remember we were on the phone, and I was trying. I was doing everything I could. I just could not get there. But every single night I tuned in. I wanted to be a part of what God was doing, watching God just stir people up and watching God bring people to Himself. And what a powerful reminder. Hey, you want to be used of the Lord? Walk with the Lord. And people will, people will see that difference. There are going to be people in your workplace that they might not necessarily be a Christian. They might not even really want to associate with a Christian. But as they continue to see you living, you're going to be that one resource. You ever had someone come up to you and, and they're really not, they, they, they put it to you this way, uh, in, in such a way that they're not interested at all in, in, in Christianity. All right? they, they don't want anything to do with it. But they walk up to you and, and, and they say, Hey, I heard something about the Bible and you're, you're this, this Bible guy, so I figured I'd ask you. What's happened? Peculiar. You stand out. Now all of a sudden intrigue has happened and they, they were a little interested in something. And, and what, what's your testimony? You're the Bible person. Hey, what a testimony. Hey, you're that Christian that is always talking about the Bible, so I heard something about the Bible, so I figured I'd ask you. 
I remember doing valet parking, and there was you just never knew who you were going to work with with valet parking. And uh, there were people that we would work with, and there were new new people. It was kind of like a turnover, same thing at Simonize when we were. And I mean, we were known as the they would call us the crownies. And so you'd have crownies, and crownies were just the people that went to Crown College of the Bible, and so they would go and they would work. And so anytime a Bible question would come up, I mean, we, we, we'd get that question. I was just in Knoxville just a, a few weeks ago, and we were passing through, and I stopped in, and we were driving past. Miss Kelly loves chicken salad chick, and there's not a chicken salad chick here, so we had to stop at chicken salad chick. Listen, I'll say this. Chicken salad chick is awesome food but if you ever want to feel like a girly man go eat inside chicken salad chick all right that place does not get any girlier than that when you're sitting in a restaurant and uh but man the food is good but we were we were passing through and i we right next to chicken salad chick is the simon eyes that we used to work at and uh, i told miss kelly we were driving i said hey you see that guy over there with the long dreads that's the nathaniel i always tell you about Nathaniel, every single day we'd walk into to, to work, he would ask us the question, what's the word for the day, man? Just like that, every single day. <laughs> so we'd tell him, hey, this is what we learned in chapel. This is what was preached on. This is, I mean, and, and we, we would tell him. But that was, that was just kind of the, the testimony. And there's a testimony that stands out when the hand of God is on someone's life. It's, it's obvious. When God is, is working, when God is doing something, and that's the testimony that Asa had. There was battling that was taking place the, the entire time, all their days. In verse number 18, the Bible says, Then Asa took all the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord and all the treasures of the king's house and delivered them into the hand of his servants. As you go and you begin to read, I have in my Bible, <coughs> in verse number 18, the very first three words highlighted, Then Asa took, and then I have, and delivered them. <coughs> Because you begin to see the bribe that had been taking place here. The Bible goes on in verse number 19 and it says right here, There is a league between me and thee and between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee unto thee a, a present of silver and gold. Come and break thy league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So you begin to see the bribe that is taking place here. And in the midst of this bribe, and you know, he's just thinking, oh, it's not a big deal. It's, there's nothing that is, it is going to be of great consequences. But something's coming. You see, Basha didn't even realize the reason that he was was in the wrong is because he was trying to stop all of what Asa was going uh, was going on there, and Asa was leading the people in a revival, and God was using him. And he says, "Oh, I'm going to go ahead and build this city of Rama. I'm going to build this, and it's going to be what all everybody wants and needs." There's only one problem. Basha forgot to recognize that the greatest need for people is a spiritual need. It's not a temporal need. It's a spiritual need. People are hungering and thirsting for that which is right and that which is good and that. They don't even know. Sometimes people are walking and they're, they're wondering. I was just reading just the other day. A preacher was out and he was uh, just put in the midst of a divine appointment as he was talking to a young man. And he stopped and was talking to the young man. And he just asked this question. Hey, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And the young man looked at him and says, you know what? I've been wondering about that quite a bit lately. Why? Because people are still wanting to know what comes after this. What's left? Is this, if this is everything, what's there to, to look forward to? And Basha wasn't putting that together. The greatest need is a spiritual need. But on the other side, Asa understood this, and this is something that we need to be reminded of. Satan desires to throw any obstacle before us to get us from growing spiritually. 
That's what this, 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 this area, this city of Ramah represented. You don't think it's serious? Paul talked about this. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says this, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Hey, his devices are many now. In 2 Corinthians 11, chapter number 3, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to, to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. I, now that I've been pastoring for some years now, I think about this whenever I think about our church family. I, I'm always worried about what's being put out there. Uh, there, there. There's so many times when somebody puts something out there and, and they, it looks good. It might be good, and you think, oh, man, it looks pleasant. But there are so many times when people are wording things in such a way to deceive, and there are so many deceivers out there, and Satan uses those things. And I'm always concerned about that as, as, as I pastor this church, that, hey, Lord, protect the people of our church. And so Basha, his whole focus was, he was thinking, hey, I can, I can take care of all this, and not realizing that the greatest need is a spiritual need. And so the bribe begins to take place. And in this bribe, he says, there is a league in verse number 19. In verse number 19, at the very end, he says, Come and break this league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. Asa begins to have a, a short memory, if you would, because again, you would have to cross-reference to see, well, what are you talking about, short memory? Why would he, you know, what, what, he's just trying to get somebody on his side. But in 2 Chronicles reveals to us that he already had God on his side. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 14, if you want to go there, I'll encourage you to turn there. Verses 9 through 13, the Bible says this. Because God had already given them great victory over the Ethiopian army and he needed to be reminded that, hey, if God can take care of them, God can take care of this. The Bible says, and there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots. And came unto Amarasera. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathath. They just couldn't use names like, you know, in the valley of Austin. You know, it has to be names that make you look silly when you're a preacher trying to say them. It says, Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Notice that now. Asa cried out. The Bible says, Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art God. Thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa, before Judah, the Ethiopians fled, and Asa and the people that were with him pursued unto them, them unto Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. Talk about a victory. I mean, talk about calling out to the Lord. Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. Lord, we, we stand with you, Lord. Don't let them. And then right before their eyes, God does the work. His decision 
to do this in chapter number 15 of 1 Kings brought rebuke. And no one likes to be rebuked, do we? Uh, hey, you're doing wrong. Hey, don't tell me that. I was just, we have Eli and uh, Jackson, and uh, they were playing last night, and <clears throat> I had to get on to them because they were arguing. And I said, hey, y'all just knock it off and go downstairs and play. And uh, Eli says, hey, I don't want to. I said, tough luck, man. <laughs> tough luck. Get downstairs and play. And uh, sure enough, five minutes pass by, and they're having the best time of their lives. But, uh, I mean, you, you think about it. This is how it's going to be. Rebuke. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Hey, you're not, you, you're, you're not being who you're supposed to be being. Second Chronicles 16, verse number 7 and 10, the Bible says this, And at that time Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Then Asa, notice this right here, was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house. For he was enraged with him because of this thing, and Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Come here real quick, Landon. I'm Asa. He comes to me. He tells me, hey, what you've done is not right. The Lord's not pleased. You went against the Lord. You didn't do what you're supposed to. And just so you know, you're going to have wars the rest of the time. Come here. I don't like what you just said. Go in prison. Sit. Think about what you just said. I mean, that's exactly what just took place. You think about that. You think about what you just said. And he's sitting there thinking, uh, it was a word from the Lord. You, you, I mean, it, you, you sh- might do you good to, to think on what I just told you. I mean, I, I mean you, ever, you ever seen someone pout before like that with, with some authority? I don't like what you just said. I'll show you. Kind of like the big brother, little brother thing. You know, uh, you, you know <laughs> that, that's kind of what, what, what's taking place here. I don't like what you just said, so you just stay right there. It says right here, Then Asa was wroth with Seir and put him in a prison house. So you see the bribe. You see the betrayal that takes place. The betrayal is in verse number 20 on down, and Ben-Hed hearkened to the king of Asa. So what takes place is what exactly what Asa was wanting. You see the betrayal, and, and as you close out, you begin to see the burial, and you see that the Bible says in verse number 23 of this same chapter, the rest of all the acts of Asa and all his might and all that he did in the cities which he built are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Nevertheless, in this time of his old age, he was diseased in his feet. Take your Bibles, if you would, Second Chronicles. And this is where we come to a close, and I give you three short little things. In Second Chronicles, chapter number 16, we see that the Bible tells us how his life ended and what his life looked like. As you come to chapter number 16, the Bible tells us in verse number 12, And in Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great, yet in his disease he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. You can go ahead and be seated later. He sought not the Lord. And so we come back to the beginning. The Bible tells us, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
as his father David did. But in the midst of that right there, now it's not something that was legacy ending, if you would. I mean, he, he led the people to a revival. He, he did a great work. He, he did what he was supposed to in, in the reign of, of, his, of his time, and he did all of that. But then whenever he began to, I don't, I don't know, throw a, a little hissy fit because the seer came to him and told him, hey, the Lord's not pleased with you. Instead of saying, you know what? I need to humble myself for the Lord. I need to get this right. You know what? I did have a little bit of a short-term memory loss, and I forgot about the fact that the Lord provided us against the Ethiopian army, and God provided here, and God has been at work here, and God did all these things. And what began to be a trend in his life? Well, the trend that we see is that from that day forward, he left the Lord out of the equation. And the Bible tells us at the end of his life, the burial of his life, that it very simply says, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulcher, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed, which was filled with sweet odors and divers kind of spices prepared by the apothecary's art. They made a very great burning for him. You wouldn't know it. And it's always a revelation, once again, that everybody doesn't know the private life that's taking place. See, there were some that were looking at King Asa saying, Oh, what a king! Man, what a job! And the Bible reveals to us that while that was the case, he did that which was right. He still was human. He still was flesh. He still missed out on some things because the Bible tells us that he didn't seek the Lord. He sought not the Lord. As you come to the beginning of a new year, could I encourage you, there's going to be some days when you look back and you say, man, 2022, man, a great year, but there were some days where I failed. You know why you're going to fail? Because you're still human. You're still flesh. You're still a sinner saved by grace. You're still going to make decisions that are selfish every once in a while. But you want to get past those days being the days that continue to, to define you? Then do these three things. Number one, you must always seek the Lord. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from that thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Proverbs 8.17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. 1 Chronicles 16.11, Seek the Lord and his strength and his face continually. Jeremiah 29.13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Psalm 40:16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Psalm 119:2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 14:2. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Can I share with you today that there, the Lord is still looking down today and wondering and seeing if there are any that seek him. The Lord is looking down right this very moment and seeing, is there any that seek me? Can I encourage you to seek the Lord continually, all the days of your life? As you go and you were to study each of the kings, those that did right in the sight of the Lord, you'll find this early on in their, their time or maybe the entire duration, they were found seeking the Lord. Some of them were six, seven years old. 
seeking the Lord, trying to do that which was right, and they were seeking the Lord, seeking counsel, seeking all that God had. You want to make sure that your days in 2022 are defined by days that were lived for God? Number one, seek the Lord every single day of your life. Number two, realize this, your security is found in the Lord alone. Asa missed out on this. If you go and you look at 1 Kings chapter number 15, you'll find that he began to realize and, and think that he could find security in another king if he would just, hey, do away with Basa and come on my side. But security is only found in the Lord alone. The Bible tells us in Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. You know that that verse right there is the center verse of the Bible? That verse right there is the center verse of the Bible. If you were to go and you were to grab the last verse, you were to grab the first verse of the Bible, you'd come to this verse right here. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to put uh, trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Center of the Bible. I find that interesting. It's as though the Lord is saying, hey, this is something you're going to struggle with every single day. Stop putting so much confidence in man. Stop putting so much confidence in yourself. Jeremiah 17, 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Don't trust in the Lord, or don't trust in man or yourself. Trust in the Lord. The final thing is not only your security is found in the Lord alone, and you must always seek the Lord. The final thing that we see that began to fade in Asa's reign. You must set yourself apart unto the Lord. Romans 13, 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 1, 1, notice how Paul starts this out. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's how he starts it out. It wasn't, hey, Paul, a, a, a man that was, was of great intelligence. It wasn't a man of great integrity. No, a servant, a servant of the Lord. He was set apart. In Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20, a verse that we struggle with, no doubt, on a daily basis. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in his life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's going to be a starting point of 2023. There's going to be an end of 2023. You look back and there was a starting point in your own life and you might not have started the way you wanted to, but right this very moment you say, okay, every single day is a new start. Every, new, every day is a new day with the Lord and trusting Him every step of the way. Well, how did Paul finish? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 8, he finished this way. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day. Not to me only, but to unto all them also that love his appearing. One preacher nailed it when he said this. The reason many men will not live a life fully not just a life casually, but a life that is of, of, of great living, if you would. One that is full of opportunities is because they'd sidestepped those opportunities and it began shaking hands with temptation every single day. 
God says, hey, I have something for you. Uh, temptation's right there. They didn't act upon it. All they did was they introduced themselves to that temptation. There's a little temptation there. A little temptation here. I'm not acting on it right now. I'm just going to keep shaking these these these, these temptations. I'm going to keep sidestepping all these opportunities that God has for me because I'm not quite there. Hey, when it comes to the temptation, there's always going to be temptation before you. Get your eyes fixed off of yourself and get your eyes fixed on the Savior. Oh, Lord, help me to look unto you. The more that you look unto him, you'll find yourself looking at yourself and saying, Oh, woe is me. Man, am I filthy. Lord, you have so much for me. God says, I have an opportunity for you. You'll run to it. You won't sidestep and say, Oh, there's temptation right there. You say, Oh, God, I want all that you have for me. Asa was a king who did that which was right, the Bible says in verse number 9. We find that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord as David his father. There came a time when he had a kind of mislapse in judgment. He missed it. And as I began to think about that dear little lady, she was sitting in the back of that seat. She's reflecting on her life. I know that that day is coming for me. The end will come at some point. The end's coming for you. And I wonder if I'd be like that that dear old lady sitting in the back and saying to a young man to drive me to, to 3055 Clydesdale Drive. Hey, that, that right there is where I had my, my first son. Matter of fact, it's where I had my second son. That's the, the house that when I, I first went into ministry, the, the Lord allowed us to go to. Hey, drive past uh, 131 Corporate Drive, and it might be a studio. It might be an office building. Hey, you see that building right there? I know it don't look like much, but that's where the Lord met with us. Man, God did a work in that church. That was a church. That was a church. Man, did God work. And I just picture myself driving down certain areas and saying, oh, look what God did there. Hey, man, right right there, you see that piece of property right there? I know it doesn't look like much, but man, it used to be an area where I spent a lot of time in prayer. I, I picture those times. Every time that we go back to Columbus, Indiana, I drive by and I, I show Kelly where I went to, to elementary school and I say, hey, you see, you see that school right there? That's where I broke all the scoring records and all the, the steals records. You know, you just brag on yourself a little bit, joking. The school that I went to in middle school isn't even there anymore. They tore it down and put a beautiful place in there. The one I went to it used to look like a, like a dungeon. Now it's like this modern, beautiful, all these windows, and it's, it's pretty. But that day is coming whenever I'll be sitting in the back seat. And I pray that when I'm there, I'll be able to say, hey, all the days of my life I serve the Lord. Right there, that's where God did something great. Hey, 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 go downtown. Hey, downtown didn't always used to look like this. Downtown, hey, you see that building right there? That's where we signed the, 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 the papers to, to be able to get Ringgold Road. Yeah. Be able to just sit in the back seat and tell a young man all of that. I've got a long way. But I wonder right this very moment, as you start out this new year, as you begin to keep eternity in view, you say, Lord, I want to keep eternity in view. I want to think about these things. How do you want to finish? I don't know about you. I want to be that dear old lady that was sitting in the back seat. I wonder if you'd like to be that dear old lady one day 
sitting in the back seat saying, hey, let me just tell you a little bit about my life. We begin to go on and talk about the Lord and whatever He's done. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. Lord, I pray that You would help us. Lord, that You'd guide us and direct us. Lord, every single one of us have a story to tell, and we will at the end of our lives. Lord, I pray that You'd help us and guide us and direct us. Lord, that You'd give us the discernment, the wisdom we need. Asa was one, Lord. The Bible tells us he started out great, and Lord, he did do wonderful things. He led the people into revival. and You used them. Lord, you still give us a glimpse of the fact that he stopped seeking the Lord. And Lord, at the beginning of the year, it's all the New Year's resolutions. Lord, it's we're on fire. We're ready to, to stay committed. But Lord, those times, whenever it might get rough, I wonder if we'll begin to stop seeking the Lord. I pray that you'd help us to be given. Lord, help us to be a people that seek you. Help us to be a people that are committed and all in all. I pray that we'd be a people that, Lord, are set apart. Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand out, live for you, and make a difference. I pray, Lord, for one who might be here this morning, Lord, and you've been working their life and helping them to see that you have so much more for them. I pray that they'd find themselves at the altar tonight or this morning and surrender. Maybe there's one who's been skipping and, and sidestepping the, the opportunities that you have for them, and they've been just shaking hands with temptation every single day. I pray that they'd get that right with you, or that you'd use them. pray that you'd be with this invitation, Lord, use the way you see fit. May this year be a year that's with great expectation, anticipation. But, Lord, may we be completely surrendered and all in all. We'll thank you for it. Guide us now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.